I wish everybody a very good evening and it's great that uh, we're able to meet together in this way and uh, we pray that as we gather around God's word tonight uh, that we will hear what God the Lord will speak knowing that to his folk he speaks peace. So we ask that the Lord will indeed bless our gathering together in his name. We're going to begin uh, reading from Psalm 107 in the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 107 verses 1 to 7. Praise God, for he is good, for still his mercies lasting be. Let God's redeemed say so, whom he from the enemy's hand did free. And gathered them out of the lands from north, south, east and west. They strayed in deserts pathless way, no city found to rest. For thirst and hunger in them faints, their soul when straits them press. They cry unto the Lord, and he them frees from their distress. Them also in a way to walk, that right is he did guide, that they might to a city go, wherein they might abide. Let us now bow in prayer. <clears throat> o Lord, O God, we give thanks for the way that you look after your people. We give thanks, Lord, that you gather your people out of all the lands, and that you are doing that gathering work every day. We give thanks that your word reminds us that the Lord Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So that that involves the seeking out and finding those who are hidden away, hidden in the depth of their own heart, hidden away from God, uh, running away from God. Because that's the way we are by nature, we run away from you. But we give thanks, Lord, for the great, wonderful truth that you look out for us and you search us out and with cords of love you draw us to yourself. And today we want to praise you and thank you for that. We give thanks, Lord, for your redeeming love, that love which has bought back that which was rightfully yours and that love that will never let go, a love that is stronger than death because death cannot separate this love. And so, Lord, may we all be conscious of this love today within our own heart. May the love of God be shed abroad in our heart. And Lord, may we know your truth, and may we know your grace, your mercy, your peace. May you indeed fill us with yourself. May we find a greater growing delight in you. We live in a world that is forever drawing us aside, that is always wanting to fill up our attention and our minds. And while we are engaged in so much that is in this world, and rightfully so, we pray, O Lord, that we will be searching and seeking for you more and more and above all things. Forgive us, Lord, our idolatry, where we put other things in place of you. Help us, Lord, to focus upon you all the time, and that you will become a growing delight within our lives, because we know that it is with you that there is fullness of joy forevermore. And that is part of the, the wonderful blessing or the fullness of the blessing that your people enjoy and receive. And we begin to know that here because is it not true that our greatest joy is when we're filled with your joy and filled with your peace and filled with the blessings that you give us, spiritual blessings. You're commanded in your word to Set our affections upon the things that are above, not on the things that are here in this earth. 
And while rightly we are engaged and involved with many of the things in this world and they have their own place and their own time and we have to give our attention to them and they create great demands upon us and uh, that is that is all very well and true but Lord may they not take away from the main thing so that we might all be like Mary what it was said of her she has chosen this good part which shall never be taken from her. We pray then that you would bless the word to us today as we come under it and even although we're often familiar with portions of your word we pray that even today we will get something new from it. Do not leave us to ourselves and may your spirit teach us in the truth. We give thanks Lord that you are our teacher. As the psalmist said show me thy ways O Lord thy paths O teach them me and we pray that you will do that for us every single day so that you will lead us in the right way and show us the way to go. Lord, our dependence is upon you, and uh, we recognise that it is not only in you that we live, move, and have our being, but uh, that every waking moment uh, is given to us as a gift from yourself. Help us, Lord, to appreciate all that you have given us in this life. And we recognise that there are times and when some of the things that have been given to us are taken away. That can be very painful and very difficult. And so we pray for those who are trying to adjust in life as uh, precious things and above all precious people have been taken away. These things never leave us quite the same again. And so we pray for every broken and bruised heart. We pray for those of troubled minds. We pray, Lord, for those who are going through distressing times, those whose worlds have caved in and turned upside down. Those, Lord, who have lost a purpose and meaning in life. Pray, Lord, for those who are filled with anxieties and that they, they are troubled on every side just now. Oh, Lord, we ask that you will come into their lives and that you will bring your peace and that you will grant them assurance and that you will give them strength in yourself so that, like the psalmist, we'll all be able to say, I will go on in strength of God the Lord. The Apostle Paul came to that place where he was able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we pray for that enabling and that strengthening in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray as we just did for those who mourn, those whose hearts are heavy and sore because they've lost loved ones. And we ask, Lord, that in all the sorrows of this world, and there are many, that the healing power of Jesus will come into broken hearts and into broken lives. As your psalm says, those that are broken in their heart and grieved in their mind, their painful wounds he healeth and he abides. And Lord, we pray that that will be true for every broken heart, that you will indeed bind up that broken heart. Pray for those who are ill, who are seriously ill. We commit them to your care and keeping. And ask, Lord, for restoration and for, for uh, if it is according to your will, that you will raise them up again. We pray, Lord, for those who are maybe approaching the end of their life. O oh, Lord, if they are still outside the kingdom, in the, in the quietness of their own heart, will you work and hear the prayers of your people and answer these prayers so that they will come into the safety and into the peace that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for those who are seriously ill. We commit them to your care and keeping. We do remember our own elder. Uh, Murdy, Murdy McLeod, Murdy Park End, as we love to know him. And 
uh, who is in a massive operation. We commit him to your care and keeping and ask that your healing hand may be upon him and that you'll bless all the family. Oh Lord, we, we long to have him back when we're able to get back and to lead the praise again as he has done for many, many, many years. Lord, we ask that you will bless us. We pray that you will bless your word, uh, not only to us here, but throughout the end of the earth, to the ends of the earth. And it will be a day where there will be rejoicing in heaven over many souls coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Pray, Lord, for those who are trying to find their way in life, and particularly those who might be beginning to have a growing interest in yourself. Lord, may that interest grow and grow and grow. And may they, the light that you alone can give come into their hearts so that they may be able to see and to believe. Lord, our oh God, we, we pray that you'll have mercy upon us as sinners. We confess our sin. Lord, we let ourselves down. We let one another down, but most of all, we let you down. How little we recognise the, the awfulness of sin, because sin often appears so attractive and clothes itself in, in, in very uh, bright colours. And we do not see underneath the sting, the pain that is in it, realising that the wages of sin is death. O Lord, then we pray that you'll forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us nationally and internationally, and particularly in light of uh, a growing worry with regard to the COVID-19 as it seems to be on the increase again. O Lord, our God, we pray that you'll protect us and uh, that we will not have to go into a complete lockdown. We pray, O oh Lord, that you were, that it might please you to, to be merciful to us and to spare us. And we pray that more and more people will begin to look to you and to realise that there is more to life than what we were used to. And that they will be able to see that there is a spiritual dimension that can only really be filled by yourself. And, O oh Lord, we ask then that you will protect us and be with all our carers and our nurses and all those who, who will often put their own lives at risk for looking after other people. Watch over them, we pray, and do them good. So be with all the vulnerable and indeed with all ages of society. We commit to your care and keeping. Bless our leadership and all in authority over us. O Lord, may you fill their hearts with your wisdom, not the wisdom that is from on earth, but the wisdom that is from above. Grant us your grace then as we wait upon you and take away your sin in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Just a wee word to the young folk. and uh, You might have said yourself or you've heard, maybe heard uh, somebody say, I just don't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe my eyes. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Maybe you said that, or maybe you've heard somebody saying that. Well, I actually said that on Tuesday, because on Tuesday morning early, we had Joshua on Tuesday, and I went down, uh, down to the shop early in the morning. And when we were coming along the road, just uh, kind of where the property centre, the dentist, the Royal Hotel is, when we were walking along there, Joshua said, Look, look, boat, sky. And I said to him, oh, no, 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 Joshua, boat in the water, plane in the sky. Plane is in the sky, the boat is in the water. But then I looked and I thought, he's right. 
I'm seeing that boat in the, in, in, up in the air. And it's one of these moments you're kind of rubbing your eyes and sort of looking and saying, am I really seeing that boat in the air? But of course what was happening, and we went over, crossed over uh, to the other side, to the wall that is there, uh, like in front of the Royal Hotel and that. And sure enough, the Peel's crane was there and with two huge slings at the front of the boat and the back of the boat, it had lifted the boat right up because there are some boats that were that had been taken ashore and I don't know how long they were there. And this was a lovely big boat and it was lifting it right up high and then the crane was swinging it round and then it dropped, took it down slowly and let it rest into the water. Wonderful to see. But there was that moment when you're saying, I don't believe what I'm seeing. A boat in the air, a boat in the sky, that shouldn't be. And so often in life there are moments that we just say, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I don't believe my eyes. I think probably the, probably the, <laughs> the moment above all when people would say that was in the Bible. And it tells us of a time when Jesus, as we know, was put to death. He was put to death on Friday. And he had this terrible death on the cross for us, for our sin. And two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, buried Jesus. They took him and they put him in the grave. And it was a lovely thing that they did for Jesus. But you know, one of the this is what makes death so, so sad. When a person dies... We never again see them alive in this world. And that's what makes death such a terrible thing. So after Jesus was dead and was buried, we find that the disciples, they had gone to this room uh, uh, and they had, not only were they sitting in the room, but they had actually locked the door because they were afraid. And they were afraid that those who had put Jesus to death would now come and put them to death because they were following Jesus. So they were there and they were all scared. The door was locked. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared right in the middle. He didn't come through the door. He just appeared. Not as a spirit, but in his body. And they were amazed. We're told that they were so glad. The word has the, the idea of an amazed gladness. They were just, whoa! But I think that at that moment they would have gone, oh, am I dreaming? Is this real? There would be that moment wondering, Did, has this really happened? But it had. We know that one of the disciples wasn't there, a man called Thomas. And Thomas was one of those people who always doubted things. That's where he got the name Doubting Thomas. Anyway, the disciples told, they were so excited, and they told Thomas, Jesus is alive. He came into the room with us. And Thomas said, oh no, I can't believe that. He said, unless, unless not only am I to see Jesus, but I must go and put my finger into the nail print where the nails were put into his hand on the cross. And his hand on the side where that spear was put in, that big mark gash that'll be there. I have to do that before I'll believe. Well, very shortly after, Again, the disciples were meeting together and Thomas was with them. And Jesus again appeared. He just appeared amongst them. And Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, reach out your hand and put your 
fingers. And Thomas said, no, I don't need to, Lord. He says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to Thomas, because you saw, you believed. But I love what Jesus then says. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. And that's us, all of us who trust Jesus. We, we've never seen him physically. We've never seen Jesus walking around. We've never actually with these eyes seen Jesus. But we believe the eye of faith, our trust, our belief. We see him, really believe in him and trust him. And Jesus says, these people, there's great blessing on them. But you know, the wonderful thing is this, that if we love Jesus and we trust in Jesus and we follow Jesus, one day, these eyes, your eyes, my eyes, will see Jesus, really see him, because we're going to be with him. And we're told we're going to be like him. There's an amazing verse in the book of Job, way back in the Old Testament. And this is what Job says. After my skin has been destroyed, he's talking about the grave. Yet in my flesh, in my body, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold. Isn't that wonderful? Job was able to see and understand way before it happened that Jesus in the resurrection was going to win this wonderful experience for us so that our body will rise from the grave, be joined again with our soul, and we will be forever in the presence of Jesus Christ, looking on him, seeing him as he is, and we'll be like him. Wow. You know, the Christian faith gives everything. I can't think of anything ever else in the world that I've ever heard of that is more wonderful than what Jesus offers us. And I hope today that you will take Jesus as your own saviour. And even although you've never actually seen him with your eyes, that you will believe in him and trust in him. And if you do that, then one day you will really see him because you're going to be with him and you'll see him forever and ever. And say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us read God's word now as we find it in the book of the Psalms, in Psalm 46, a well-known Psalm, Psalm 46. <clears throat> God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of his own holy word. And I want us this evening to think in particular uh, from verses 4 and 5 of this psalm. Psalm 46 verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Way back when I, when I was young, uh, Bob Dylan sang a song, The Times They Are A-Changing. That was very true uh, at these times because there was a huge change happening, a great, incredible change happening in culture, in everything at that particular time. The times really were a-changing. And while that was true then, you know, it's actually even truer now. We used to talk about a genera generational change, that it was quite a change each generation. But it's not happening just every generation. It's not even every ten years. Every five years or sometimes every year. And for older people like myself, I really have sometimes have no idea where we are. Because culture, landscape, everything about the society that we live in, it's changing all the time. And sometimes you just can't get your head around it because what was what was the thing today is not the thing tomorrow. It's happening just the time is changing so, so quickly. And in a sense, <laughs> that's really what life is about because our world is forever changing. And that's what part of this psalm is about because this psalm gives us amazing descriptions of an ever-changing world. You have, at the beginning of the psalm there, we have uh, volcanic eruptions and fearsome earthquakes and frightening tsunamis where these things terrify, these things, the devastation they bring, and then all of a sudden there's a change. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. So you couldn't have greater contrasts. And in a sense, that's what life is about, what our world is about. Because the contrasts in life are really quite extraordinary. Because when, you see, our, our world, our world has changed. We're, we're going through a change this year, the like of which we've never known before. We had just started to come out of lockdown and maybe heading back while it's, the restrictions are growing tighter all the time. Because of this tiny virus that the human eye can't see. Nobody could have predicted last year that the world would go into a lockdown. Where hundreds of jets would be grounded and massive hotels closed. And streets that were flowing like rivers with humanity, with people, were empty. You would be seeing photos and there's nobody on the streets. Nobody could ever have envisaged or imagined the world. It's like putting the brakes 
on the world. You say, that can't happen, but it has. All because of this tiny little virus that, no, that nobody can see. But it just shows us how life is so uncertain and so unpredictable and that uh, just everything that we know can change in a moment. Now, the first two verses, two or three verses in this psalm, we see nature in turmoil. Now, we, we live in a beautiful world. And sometimes the scenery and the landscapes are breathtaking. And I, something I live, I, I've always had a love of nature and I've always enjoyed a sunrise, a sunset. I've always enjoyed being by the sea and watching it, the massive breakers breaking over the rocks. I've loved that, but I've also loved to walk by the rivers and through the through the trees and the woods. I love nature. I know sometimes you just stop, and I used to, I used to do a lot of uh, climbing back in the day. I don't know, but I loved being in the hills. And often when you'd be up there and looking out, you'd see you'd see the world from a different perspective when you're up up in the at the top of the hills and you'd say wow this is this is an amazing world that we live in but we also know that it can be a devastating world because we see pictures thankfully we have but many people have been caught up in fearful earthquakes and tsunamis and volcanoes and all these things and the other destruction it causes and it is reminding us of this fact that when sin entered the world it didn't just affect us. It didn't just affect you and me. It didn't just affect Adam and Eve and then everybody as a result of it. It has done that. We're all under the impact and the effect of sin. But the Bible shows us, so is the whole creation. You know, people ask, why? You know, sometimes people, you find people accusing God, why did God allow this earthquake? Why? It's because of sin. Remember in Romans it tells us because of the curse that the whole creation is groaning. And that is why there's a we can't see the groaning, but we see the result of the groaning when you see the earthquakes and the when the devastation of tsunamis and volcanoes and all that and the famines and with there's drought and all these things. It is because the whole creation is under a curse and because it is groaning. And so the Bible, the Bible really alone is what explains the, these things to us. So sin has affected everything. But then we see that in the heart of it all, that God is still overruling all things. And that there is only one place where we can really find refuge and strength in it all, and that is in God. But after the picture of verse 3 of the water roaring and foaming, we have such a contrast in verse 4 where we're, we're told here about this, uh, this river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the, most, the holy habitation of the Most High. And you couldn't have a greater contrast from the, the foaming, surging sea to the quiet, flowing river. Unless a river is in spate and there's been a kind of flooding, the, the river is one of the nicest places to walk by. We talk of peace like a river. That's why so many people walk here in Stornway up and down by the Creed. So it's just one of the great walks we have. We're, we're so privileged to have the castle grounds and a place like the, the Creed. It's so tranquil. It's so peaceful. There's something uh, sort of in a gentle hypnotic way about the running river. 
uh, going down. And so we have this picture here to, uh, of a, that there is a river whose streams may glad the city of God. Now very clearly the, the, the city of God here, we have a picture of the church of God. And we must always remember that the church belongs to God, it doesn't belong to us. We are in the church, we're part of the church, we belong to the church, we are the church in when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we've got to remember that God terms it his church, my church, my people. And sometimes the history of the church, and even up to the present, has forgotten that the church actually belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong, it's not ours, it's his. He's the head. We are the body of the, of the church. Sometimes we act as if we are the head of the church. No, he's, it's, his, it's his church, and we've always got to remember that. Now, the church is here described as a city. And what we've got to remember, of course, is that we're talking about, we have to put our mind back to Old Testament times and to think of what a city was like then, because sometimes the picture doesn't fit exactly of what we have for a city today. And with regard to the city, we think of, first of all, a protection. The city was the place of protection because it had great walls. Every city then had walls round about protecting. And there were watchmen on the walls, looking out for any danger, looking out for anything that might uh, bring trouble. And the wonderful thing for the church is that the Lord is our wall. He is our protector. He is, he is our watchman. And although the t there are times when the church is threatened, and in fact we live in a day, we're living at a time where the church is under increased attack and where we're belittled and undermined, and sometimes we look out and we think what's going to happen because the freedom that the church had, it seemed these freedoms seemed to be getting less and less, and we fear that the way things are going, we might not be able to declare the whole counsel of God. Well, of course, we will have to even, but that that it might the restraints might be such that people will begin to start saying, you can't say that. Well, of course, we always have to say what God in his word says. But history shows us that the church has always been under attack and the church has always been threatened. There might be times when the church has known prosperity and peace and when there's been great movements of God's Spirit. But by and large, over the course of time, the church has always been under attack. But the wonderful thing is that the church remains. The church has remained throughout all the centuries. And sometimes those who raised themselves up against the church most have disappeared. And even their empires have disappeared. But God's church will always remain. And we've got, to, we've got to always remember that and be encouraged by that. So we have this idea of the protection. And of course, one of the great pictures that God gives us in the Bible is that even in glory, heaven is pictured to a great walled city. In other words, nothing and no one can enter in that will any way threaten or harm or spoil or attack, or undermine, in any shape or form. Great walled city, protected forever from every enemy from outside. 
But you know, one of the great words in the Bible is the word kept. And the wonderful thing is that it is the Lord who keeps us. The Lord is our keeper. So he is our protector and he is our keeper. We are kept by the power of God. It's not a, sometimes we ought to be and we should be and there are times we're absolutely humbled by it. Other times our faith may not be the way it, it, it should be. But we're told we are kept by the power of God. Isn't that extraordinary? Every day and every night you and I, we're kept. And if it weren't for that, we couldn't keep ourselves. We would be undone, we'd be lost, we'd be gone. But you and I continue to go on and on and on and on because we are kept, kept by the power of God. Unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In other words, we're kept until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until we go uh, to meet with him. So this is a wonderful thing, although... All these temptations and trials and problems and batterings and bruisings in this world. We will be kept and protected through them all. And then in glory we will be protected so that they will not even be there. In this world these things are there and we face them and we experience them. In glory we will never experience them ever ever again. And one day the church will be perfect. Here in this world it is not perfect. It never will be. Even although the church belongs to God, it's his church and my people, yet in this world it will never be perfect. And we're also going to remember that the church is Satan's number one target in this world. That is why the church is so persecuted down throughout the generation. The church is Satan's number one target. And those who work, every believer is Satan's target. But particularly those who do most in the church are his target. That's why Jesus was his number one target. As long as Jesus was in this world, that was Satan's number one target. Now that Jesus is in, has gone from this world and it's his people who are in this world, his people are his number one target. Who was the head of the church uh, in the, after, at the time of Jesus and following on in the, uh, at the time of Pentecost and so on? Who was Satan's number one target amongst the disciples? Peter, because he was the leader in the church. And Jesus knew that and he singled out Peter and he said, you know something, Peter? Satan has desired to have you so that he will sift you like wheat. And you know, the wonderful thing is Jesus didn't say to Peter, I prayed that he won't do that to you. Jesus doesn't say, Peter, I have prayed that Satan won't get near you and that he won't do these things to you. No. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. And that's what's important. We're going to be tempted and bruised and bothered in this world. But the important thing is that our faith doesn't fail. And although there are days when our faith might sink and we might feel weak and fail, yet this is part of the keeping. God will keep us. We are kept. Very briefly, the city is also not only a place of protection, it's also a place of company. That's very true of cities today as well. You go to a city and one of the things that strikes you is the great number of people within a city, but also the great variety of, you can see there's all different cultures and creeds and languages and races. There are people from, from all over the world are in cities. And so there's this huge variety 
from all over the world. And as to the church as well. Because right throughout this world, the gospel of Jesus Christ is reaching in and is beginning to flourish in some parts. Right now, there is a tremendous growth in the kingdom of God in parts of this world. So we are all family. We are all united to Jesus Christ. We have brothers and sisters right throughout this world that we are united to in Jesus Christ. So there's this great company in the church. But also, in the Old Testament, the city was looked on as a place of rest. You know, today, uh, you would say the city is not the place of rest. The countryside is a place of rest. But uh, because a city today, uh, some cities, they never sleep. It's just it's going day and night. But back then, the city was the place of rest because outside the city was a place of danger. There was a big threat. If you lived in the wilderness, if you're trying to get through the wilderness or the desert place, there were so many enemies. There was wild animals and bandits and there was always a threat. And you were wanting to get to the city. That's why we read at the beginning, they strayed in deserts, pathless way, no city found to rest. They were desperate to find a city to rest in. And the wilderness, as we said, is a place of restlessness. And that is a picture of ourselves until we find rest in Christ Jesus. We're restless. There's a restlessness in us. We're going from this to that to the next thing. Sometimes we don't know that it is that we've been restless, but there is this within us that we're just we we can't put our finger on it. But there is a rest in Jesus. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. If there was one, if there's one verse that you could cry out to this world today, hear the word of Jesus who is saying, Come to me and I will give you rest. Because there are many a heart today throughout Scotland and England and Ireland and Wales, indeed throughout the whole world, and they're saying, Oh, if only I could find some rest to get that peace into my heart. And Jesus says, I'll give it to you. And people are saying, no, I'll try and find somewhere else. Well, you won't. You can't. Because we were made for God. And so it's important that we find this rest in him. And you know, when you do come to faith in Jesus Christ, there is this sense of identity, of belonging. And you say, you know, I'm home. <laughs> this is who I was looking for. This is what I was wanting. This is who I need. I need Jesus. I'm home. You know, you can, there's some, it's just this sense of, this is it. This is, this is what I've been looking for. And it's a tiny picture of what it will be like when we get to glory. Because when we enter into glory, we'll say, I'm home. Wow. Forever. Ever. Ever. Secure and safe. But you'll also notice, uh, uh, the, the church here that it's this is God's habitation God lives God is in the midst isn't that beautiful the church is the most important place for God in this whole world and God is not just in a corner in the church he's in the midst he's bang in the center and we've also got to remember that and it, it's it's amazing because God is God is the pulse of the church. 
He's a heartbeat of the church. He's a lifeblood of the church. It's his church and he loves his church. God rules his church and he sets his laws for the church and his standards for the church. And I'm going to remember that the church, his people, are his portion in this world. God hasn't chosen the great palaces and the great mansions of the rich and famous and the palaces of kings and queens and the government headquarters throughout the nations. He's chosen his church, his people. They are his portion and his portion alone in this world. And that's why we're told we shall not be moved. Even although we might be going through all kinds of difficult times and today you may feel that your whole world is moving underneath you. You shall not be moved. And notice what it says. Help is coming because God will help her when morning dawns. However dark your experience is right now, as a believer it won't remain. Because help is coming and God will relieve you. He will bring a dawn into your life. So that the sun will begin to rise a little again. Even although you think the sun will never ever shine with brightness in your life again. The Lord will make that true in your experience. Weeping may for a night endure, at morn doth joy arise, as the psalm says. But also notice there's a river whose streams may glad the city of God. And this river flows from the eternal source. And this river has everything that we need. Remember what, what it, it, it tells us here in the Bible that about the, 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 the river. We're told this in Revelation, that it has its source, that it proceeds from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And every blessing that we need for life has its source there. And sometimes God will pour rivers of blessing down, like when he has done at times of revival, and where he has swept through communities, sometimes through the land, where many people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it's like a river flowing in spate, and nobody can stop it, no power can stop it. But even when God's blessing comes individually, in upon a soul, and when the river... The stream flows into your heart and life and God's spirit will flow into your life. All the resistance and opposition that was here in the past and all the darkness that kept you from seeing is removed because that river washes. And that's the wonderful thing. It's a river that cleanses your eyes to see and cleanses your ears to hear and cleanses your heart in order to believe. But it's also a river that's refreshing, reviving. That's what the Lord does. He revives his people. Sometimes his people are tired and weary. And maybe this is a time when God's people are tired and weary. But God says, I'm not going to leave you like that. I will come with these, these streams are flowing. And I will revive you again. I will revisit you and bring refreshing into your life. You know, there is, as we said earlier, there is no other life comparable. Nobody else can hold out this hope in this world like Jesus holds out hope. And it only shows us the absolute blindness of sin and the opposition of Satan why people say, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear the gospel truth. I don't want to hear about Jesus being the light of the world. 
I don't want to hear about Jesus being the door of salvation. I don't want to hear about Jesus being the resurrection of the life. Why not? I don't want to hear him saying to me, I will give you rest. That doesn't make sense. And it shows the darkness and blindness of sin. And if today, if you're still outside Christ, ask that these streams will flow into your heart, bringing light and life into you. Lord, we pray to bless us. Bless our time together. Bless these words to our soul. Take away sin in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude singing from Sing Psalms and Psalm number 30, the 30th Psalm from Sing Psalms. O Lord, I will exalt your name, for you have rescued me. You did not let my foes rejoice and gloat triumphantly. Lord God, in need I cried to you, and you restored my health. O Lord, you brought me from the grave and saved my soul from death. Verse 5, is anger but a moment lasts, life long as favour stays, though tears may last throughout the night, joy comes with morning praise. and peace of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.